0: Welcome to Wellspring on the air. I'm Nicole Alfonso, a therapist at Wellspring and the host of today's show. Today's show is intended for mature audiences only at this moment. I would ask you to pause and change the station and come back at a more convenient time when you are not with your children. You can always access any of our podcasts through our website at wellspringmiami.org in our blog section. So let's get started. Today's show is titled the effects of pornography on families. So, with me today to discuss this important topic is Eric Williams. Together, we want to help bring clarity and truth about effects of pornography. So, stay with us. We've got some much-needed information about pornography. Okay, Eric, welcome to our show. Thank you for being uh, here. I know that uh, we've done some shows before together, and I, I really enjoy it. So, thank you for being here, specifically for this topic. I think. You're really the perfect person for it. So before we get into it, please, please tell our audience and those people listening a little bit about you, Eric.
1: Okay. Well, it's great to be here, Nicole. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I have been a therapist at Wellspring for over five years, and I also work uh, part-time with, with CREW, uh, a, a ministry in Miami. I've been doing that for 25 years um, in Miami and before I moved to Miami.
0: And when you when you say crew, that stands for.
1: It's formerly Campus Crusade for Christ.
0: Okay. It's,
1: it's, it's,
0: yeah. And it's based in college campuses, right? I mean, you're working with college kids.
1: I've worked with college kids for a number of years. I no longer work with college students specifically, but Crew has many ministries, uh, executive ministries, uh, military ministries, youth ministries. So. Awesome. But primarily, I did work with college students for a number of years.
0: So before getting into how pornography affects someone, can you tell us about what has been your experience working with clients and college students regarding pornography?
1: Sure, absolutely. Part part of my role with with Crew is mentoring men and college students, and I've been doing that for over 25 years. And with that, there's been a focus in discipleship on purity and freedom from porn and lust. Uh, That includes Bible studies, retreats, one-on-one mentoring, and beyond.
0: Okay, and you have also um, just some personal backstory uh, just about you growing up. And, you know, we all have that uh, you know, a story. But would you tell us a little bit about yours?
1: Sure. Uh, Honestly, my parents divorced when I was about 10 and my dad uh, really sexually was out of control in many ways. He had an affair. Uh, And then later, unlike most divorced couples, uh, my mom and dad had a kid together my senior year of high school. And so I really, it was interesting. Most of the time, dad's coaching an 18 year old through an unplanned pregnancy, but this time myself at 18 was coaching dad for a pregnancy. And he was actually seeing somebody else at the time and he got my mom pregnant. And so it was really a difficult phase and it really helped me to see, I wanna have some good boundaries in the sexual dimension of my life. And it kept me from making some choices because I saw how much his sinful choices impacted myself and those around him, including my mom.
0: Wow, well, super confusing. I, I think, you know, growing up as a 10-year-old with this stuff happening um, around you, you know, and especially the people that you look up to the most, you know, your parents um, right. making, you know, these choices that you're just like, wait, I'm confused, you know? <laughs>
1: right. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so let's talk about pornography and, and how big a problem it is. Tell us, what is pornography, just to start off?
1: Well, the general term uh, refers to pictures or even uh, stories, literature that are sexually provocative or excite uh, the viewer or uh, the reader. And so there's debates, you know, is it nudity? Is it images of sex? Can it be pornographic if there are clothes on? You know, is the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated, is that pornographic? So there can be nuance to it, but generally the definition is Anything um that is sexually
0: provocative. Okay. Wow. So um tell us a little bit about what what is the effect happening right now? How big of this of a problem is pornography right now? So
1: I think for me, when I started to get into people's lives, I don't think I realized how pervasive pornography Mm. is. Um and so I thought that my experience in my family was just one experience, but really the statistics. Are, are overwhelming, it can be a little depressing. Uh, many studies show that over 90% of men have looked at pornography in the last month. And much more increasingly so, pre- previously it was just a male issue, but now 60% of women have looked at it in the last month. And, and honestly, the younger the population is, the more severe uh, the exposure to pornography is. Older population, in the old days, you would have to go behind the counter
0: or buy a magazine
1: you know, it was way them harder them. to
0: get access, right? Yeah, right.
1: But with technology, it's on your phone, like anything mm-hmm. you want. And so which is a problem. And even culturally, it's viewed as, you know, you should have unlimited access, but the reality is you shouldn't have unlimited access to things that can really corrupt or expose your kids as well. So, But I think there's been a pervasiveness of sex, like it, it, it leaps or it grows more pervasive. So what was, the, what was the centerfold of Playboy magazine is actually what's on the cover of Cosmo and other magazines. So when you go to Barnes & Noble mm. and see provocative images, that was the centerfold of Playboy magazine in the 50s and 60s. So it's, it's really escalating because yes. our, our standard of what is pornographic has grown because we've been oversaturated. And so, and a lot of times churches just avoid it. Um, you know, I've had pastors tell me they just refer people to counseling, which is is good and bad. Uh, they don't really address it. Um, and like I said, easy access. But but two, we live in Miami, Florida, is highly sexualized. Miami's highly sexualized. Mm-hmm. So if you look at strip clubs. Uh, Florida's number two in the country for strip clubs, and Miami and Tampa are high on the list as well. So we live in a very sexually provocative um, time and city and state for that matter.
0: Wow. I didn't know that. Um, I, so I am actually in the process of preparing for a show that we're going to do about talking to kids about pornography. And in my research, um, the, you know, the staggering, you know, statistic moment, I was like, wow, um, kids are being exposed, uh, you know, 11 years old is the, um, average exposure of pornography so it's definitely a problem for um, obviously marriages but families in general this is this is invading people's lives um in a way that you don't have control a lot of control over it you know
1: that's true in yeah. fact uh recently like last month my son was in the cafeteria at school and somebody just airdropped some pornographic images they were actually uh uh, gay pornographic images uh, to everybody around and so my son saw it everybody saw it the school can't police it because it's just an airdrop they don't know who did it uh, my son doesn't know who did it either and so it's so common um, a lot of my kids uh, have taught the people that are looking at porn in school or discussing pornography that they viewed at home with their families so there's a high exposure rate and in working with men A lot of times the exposure is very young. And so 10, I've even Mm. seen as young as six. And so when you've been doing that or feeding on that at that young of age, it really changes your view of sex. Absolutely. And and what's interesting is if you're exposed to that, but yet you don't know how to kiss or hold a girl's hand, it makes it really awkward. And your exposure, you've been sexualized, but you haven't been you don't have the maturity in relationships. And so mm-hmm. it just puts a, a distorted view of what they're like.
0: Yeah. Okay. So how does, um, how does pornography affect a person and a marriage?
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's a great question. Um, I, I think first off, um, it can be very addictive. Um, mm-hmm. when you're exposed to pornography, you need, it's kind of like, you know, one beer gives me a buzz the first time, but then later I need two beers or three beers. So it it becomes more addictive and the type of pornography can often um, be more extravagant um, Mm -hmm. or more, uh, it it could just be worse. Uh, And so it erodes trust. You know, if if you're married to somebody and they're looking at porn, it really can cause uh, either lack of trust. It can be very harmful you can give unrealistic views of relationships sex mm. in many cases the images that people are looking at are doctored anyway they're not bodies really don't look like that they've filtered the, the picture and it's not reality and
0: sometimes um, the other thing that I, you know i'll i'll just kind of put in there is sometimes these people are under the influence of drugs right yes, to do absolutely to do those acts right and so absolutely. it's really just super distorted
1: Super distorted. And mm-hmm. and that's true. I mean, many Hollywood stars, uh, men and women talk about getting drunk or being on something that to do those sex scenes, and they're not even full-scale pornographic a lot of times. But right, but, right. But you're right. Um, what people do to get in those situations is not reality. And, and so, and it can be it can be very wounding. And then it's like how who do you talk to? okay, so my spouse looked at pornography or you're looking at pornography. It's like, who can you even talk to? And mm-hmm. I've got friends at church that they recognized they had a problem and the people they went to were not very helpful at all. And so they were very condemning. They got blacklisted. Yeah. And, and they really had no outlets to work on something that they really wanted to work on. And so
0: it's- And that speaks to that piece where you talked about how the church is not talking about it and it's avoiding the subject. And so- it doesn't allow people to come out and say, this is a problem for me. I want help. Right. Um, yeah. It keeps them kind of in that, in that shame place and it doesn't allow them to come out and say, I really want to do something about this. How do I go about it? You know? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's
0: good. That's good. So other things that affect the person, um, trauma,
1: Trauma, a lot of times people have PTSD if they find out their spouse is, is using pornography or chatting with somebody online. There's a real PTSD effect from that. Um, and it can even happen if you're a parent and you're using porn. It can affect your kids' marriage. Like it's it's not just one dimensional. We think it just affects us. And a lot of times the narrative is what I'm doing is only affecting you. It's really not. It's affecting around you. It's affecting family members. It's affecting your spouse or your future spouse or your kids. And so I think having that mindset is is a big deal. And I yeah. think for many people, seeing how it hurts somebody is really the first time that they're incentivized to change. You know, oh, wow, I hurt my spouse. They're really struggling with this. This has been a problem, I've, but it's only hurt me before. Now it's hurting them. Mm-hmm. So it can yeah. be a good wake up call. But at the same time, you hurt somebody and and really sometimes it takes a while to really um come out of that and yeah they can be uh impacted for a long time
0: all right so let's see um we got some statistics here do you want to share some with with our listeners
1: sure sure um so one of the things is that when somebody's using pornography it does reduce the sex in the marriage so if one spouse is using porn, 68% of couples report a decrease in their sex life. Um, 68% of divorces, one spouse has met somebody online on the internet. And in 56% uh, of divorces, one spouse has had uh, an obsessive interest in porn. Hmm. And so 75% of the time, a spouse New porn uh, is discovered on accident. And, and, and really that actually happens a lot. You know, oh my gosh, I found this. And they find, and then they do a search and then that's overwhelming. Honestly, it's helpful to know what your spouse is doing, but sometimes seeing it is mm. not really the best answer to know what type of pornography and, and the perfectionist. Right. So, but it's, I do encourage you to monitor and to check. And so, if somebody is preventing you from checking, like you probably should check. And 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 so, if you have one spouse that just never lets you look at their phone, never lets you look at their their viewing history, I think openness increases trust, especially mm. if there's previous behavior. And so, and yeah, with my kids, if my kids have looked at something, we talked about it and you know i need to monitor them i need to make sure they're not playing in the road and and why would i let them play in the road because they're going to get hit eventually yeah and and i think that's one of the stories i often tell guys is if i let a python loose in my house like i might be okay for a while but one day i'm going to come face to face with the python and the internet is a python there's a way Mm. to unleash yourself your family and you deal with
0: Okay, so we're gonna take a short break, Eric, to thank one of our sponsors who makes the production of our podcast possible. When we come back, we'll hear more from you about the effects of pornography on families. Welcome back to Wellspring on the Air. This is Nicole Alfonso. If you're just joining our show, today's show is intended for mature audiences only. At this moment, I would ask you to pause the show or change the station and come back at a more convenient time when you're not with children. You can always access any of our podcasts through our website at wellspringmiami.org in our blog section. So our topic today is the effects of pornography on families. So far, we've talked about what is pornography and its negative effects. And we are going to go ahead and keep going with um, how is pornography affecting families? So Eric, what's going on with our families?
1: Well, I think um, as we've talked about, um, we're just more sexualized. And so uh, about half or 47% of all families claim that pornography is an existing problem in somebody in their home. Um, the age of exposure is lower. We mentioned this before, but uh, 11 years old is the average age that kids are exposed to porn. But uh, one in five report it being younger than a, than um, 10 or younger. And so 75% of all teenagers say their parents have really never discussed porn with them. And so I just want to encourage you, if you've not talked about these topics with your kids, you know, it is a great opportunity for you to go there and talk about it. Don't talk about it in a a rules kind of way. Do this. Don't do this. Talk about it in a vulnerability kind of way. Hey, these are mistakes I've made. I want to help you not make these mistakes. And and really ask questions and and really see what they're viewing. I mean, a lot of times they're watching shows that you don't even know, but they're very sexualized shows. And, yeah, and I think culturally too, we don't want to put limits on things. I've even had teachers say, "Why do you have limits on your screens for your kids?" And I'm like, but "Because there's a lot of things that they can look at. Like I don't understand why you're opposed to limits. They're, we all need limits. I need limits yeah. on what I eat or drink, and and so it's the norm. But when it's the internet or technology, it's like, ooh, you know, if you have limits, then there's something wrong with you. So we also. Um...
0: There's also some some information about how pornography is affecting affecting kids and teens. and some of the things that we've found is that they suffer from depression, That's right. have sex at an earlier age, mm-hmm. um, put a high priority on casual sex, mm-hmm. um, cheat later on with their partners in life, mm-hmm. and maybe pressure other kids or teens to do something sexual. So those are some things that, um, kids that are exposed to porn are more likely to do. So as always in our show, um, we like to include, you know, God and spirituality and what the Bible says. So Eric, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what the Bible says. This can be really hard for people. Um, you know, that piece of how do I handle this on a spiritual level? Right. So talk to us a little bit about this.
1: Well, I mean, ultimately God, God created sex. And he intended it for good, but he intended it with a covenant and safety in the relationship. And so there's a lot of verses. So we're just going to highlight a few. Uh, First Corinthians 13, I mean, 10, uh, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out uh, so that you can endure it. Um, Also in Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians chapter six, verse 18, three sexual immorality, all other sin, a person commits outside the body, but whosoever sins sexually uh, sins against their own body. And and then you have in uh, David and Bathsheba, you have David and Solomon as well. You know, they made many mistakes with uh, affairs and it impacted their families. Uh, the Bible uh-huh. doesn't advocate that. You know, what I love about the Bible is even the heroes it talks about their mistakes and mm-hmm. the impact it had for generations. And so David's sin with Bathsheba impacted him it impacted his kids and their relationship. And so sin always impacts you to a greater degree than you realize. You think, Oh, I'm just making this one little compromise, but, but the way God set it up, that there are consequences for our sin. And, and so we need to accept that and face that. And so um, so anyway, those are some passages. There's some more that we'll talk about at end as well.
0: And I know um, Eric, you have you know mentored a lot of people in this situation. So you come very close to their stories and their struggles. Can you maybe share a story of um someone you've mentored and, and how that kind of worked out? Like, you know, just
1: mm-hmm. so um, you know, I'm thinking of some guys I worked with at Ford Atlantic. Um, you know, they grew up in the church. They were looking at some things online that they knew they should know, and then they got in an accountability group with other guys. And one of the guys shared about their struggles with pornography and how it's impacted them. And they all just started sharing their stories. They got uh, they recognized the problem, and they became anchors to one another. Hey, I'm going to text you this weekend. I'm alone. My parents are out of the house, and so it really started this beautiful community. I think for me as well, uh, the reality is I I came out of this highly sexualized uh, environment and then I knew I wanted to change. And I got involved in a Bible study uh, in college and there were six guys and we were praying for each other. And so we maintain that relationship. We actually still uh, have Zoom calls and we ask each other hard questions. And so the reality is, whether it's pornography or whatever, we all are addicted to something if we're not addicted to God. I mean, because if we're not drawing our, our face from him, we're going to find a, a addicted patterns and other things. And mm-hmm. so, but when we find refuge in him then we see the error of our ways and we can make changes. And so that accountability that somebody that's asking you questions, hey, that knows where you're weak and that you're able to tell them. It really can make a change. I think this issue, like the statistics aren't great and people changing in uh, dropping pornography or not using pornography frequently after they've had an addiction. But the reality is when you get in community, those statistics can really change. If you're honest and committed, if you're not committed and just doing it because you're caught, then chances are you're not going to change one.
0: And I think I would dare to say that that's actually across the board on addictions in general, you need a support system. You need a group of people that will hold you accountable that you can call on when you're tempted and all, you know, those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that kind of leads us right into how can Mm -hmm. someone change? How, what can they do, you Mm -hmm. know, um, to stop this behavior to, you know, just really like work on this?
1: No, that's a great question. And I think the first step is seeing the pain. That you're causing on other people, seeing how it's affecting your kids, seeing how it's affecting your spouse, that's a motivation for change. And we need motivation, you know, if if these are things that you're dealing with. Uh, I think too, as you said, and as we talk about accountability, a support system, people that are asking you the hard questions. um, I think we need limits. We need filters. Um, You know, the problem is that there's so many ways that we can use pornography. That what are the best systems for, for you? I've had men that switch to a flip phone because they're just like, look, this is a problem. I'm gonna use a flip phone until I get this under control for a while. You know, I think you need somebody that has access to your computer, to your phone, somebody that's monitoring it. You need somebody that's doing that. And maybe that needs to be your spouse or maybe not. Maybe it needs <laughs> to be somebody else that, uh, that can ask those questions and look. And so you do need a filter of some kind. Um, and what's interesting is as, people stop using porn it really does change their mindset after you break that the habit you you begin to see people differently your your habits change and and i've seen that some people are like oh my gosh i've been doing this for so long is it ever going to change and it really does it really does change and so but if you're stuck and you keep going back and going back really fasting and praying having a group to come in and pray for you i've really seen success Where that's happened you know i've had some friends that are just like man you know my wife caught me again she's frustrated you know i went to the church i had several guys pray for me and you know i did a fast um and it really something changed like something Mm -hmm. happened during that time and so you know the reality is that jesus came to set the captives free and -hmm. he can set us free and so it doesn't mean that you'll never struggle with this issue again but it does mean that you'll help us in the journey uh, as we set limits, as we set boundaries, and as we find satisfaction in the things that really satisfy. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately that's huge. when somebody is addicted to whatever, they're looking for something to deal with the pain, the loneliness of this life, and when we give that to God, then we're much more satisfied in a mm-hmm. real dynamic relationship and not in a picture and not in a, a video. Like That's not satisfying ultimately. It, it takes real tangible um, relationships with people to really be healing. And and so as I've talked with men specifically, I haven't really worked with women on this issue, but when they stop using, then the emotions come, they've been coping with all these emotions through their addiction. And they're like, oh, I've got to deal with all these emotions now and now I got to do this. And so sometimes it's anxiety, sometimes it's stress. And so that's something that I would look at like what, what is causing you? What are the triggers that cause you to do this? Is there conflict in your home? Is is there stress at work? What are some of your triggers and how do you deal with that? So you're not turning to the addiction.
0: Yes. And then of course, lastly, we don't, we always, you know, I always find the need to say, if you don't have that support system, if you don't have a safe place to go to talk about this, reach out to us, get a counselor to work through this with you so that you do have a place where you can be open and be um, real about the struggle that you're going through. Right. That's right.
1: And honestly, and yes. I, I would say now that there's a lot of online, like in the old days, there were groups and you could walk or, you know, you go to the group at church. But the problem is there can be a stigma. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's Tuesday. Eric, where are you going? Are you going to the addictions group? <laughs> You know, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But now there's there's so much on Zoom where you can anonymously join a group, do it online. You're not worried about somebody seeing you. You're not even worried about that embarrassment. And there are a lot of great resources. There's retreats, you know, weekend retreats, whether you're somebody that's been looking at porn for a long time or whether you're the spouse of someone or the parent of someone. There are Mm -hmm. some great conferences that'll help you work through the betrayal. Cause there's a level of betrayal to mm-hmm. work through the disappointment in my kid. Like, I cannot believe they've been doing this for this long. And what kind of point they're looking at that just breaks my heart. And how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. There's real hurt there. There's yeah. Real genuine hurt. And if you take that hurt and dump it on that kid. It's going to overwhelm them with pain. And so their addiction needs to change and they need to set boundaries. But How can you deal okay. with your, hurt and betrayal so that you're not dumping it on the child and in some cases your spouse so
0: yeah i mean the whole family is affected so everybody needs to get their help in the way that you know they need Mm -hmm. wow eric this is great um this show is really meant to bring truth and clarity and hope not shame um we do believe that people can change and jesus came like you said to set the captives free so um, it is time to close out the show. Thank you, Eric, for joining us today and shedding light on the topic of pornography and sharing some of your personal story. We hope that you learned about how pornography can be affecting you or your loved ones. And thank you for joining our show today. Again, if you joined this program midstream, you can find the show and others on podcast at Wellspring on the Air or on our blog at wellspringmiami.org. The title of today's show again was the effects of pornography on families, Encourage us and let us know you're listening by sending comments or questions to air at wellspringmiami.org. It is time to wrap up. This is Nicole Alfonso with Wellspring on the Air because hearts and minds matter.